Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. 5431, we are in. Hello, Richard. Are you a Richard or, or does anyone ever call you Richard? Richard. Uh, the only people who call me Richard um, are my mother uh, when she's angry at me and myself when I've done something very stupid. And I'm like, Richard! Right. Yeah. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be feckin' idiot? Or... Well, yeah, it depends on, on, on the mood I'm in and how Irish I'm feeling at the time. So is that, is that also mildly racist? Uh, let's say it's mildly racist, but, you know, it's funny, so it's okay. <laughs> but we, we, could... we, we, we can cut that out. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we won't cut it out because we're lazy. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think all, what we're basically trying to say here, we, I can deduce from this uh, 57, intro, 57 second intro, is that uh, racism is funny. <laughs> if, it, if it is about yourself. So I'm, I'm Irish and I can, I can make as many jokes about Irish people as I want. I, I'm, um, I'm surprised. Unfortunately, I... unfortunately, like my girlfriend, Georgia, who is not uh, Irish, uh, doesn't get that. And she continues with the, the barrage of, of racial slurs. On a daily basis, I, I've heard the uh, the South Africans are quite racist. Anyway, the South Africans is that an, is that is that an internal joke that has been lost? It you literally has been lost. Oh well, you, you better ask your girlfriend <laughs> then, mate. Oh, you thought she was South African the first time you met her? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember yeah. several years ago. I was like, "I'm you're sh- you're South African, right?" It's like, "No." I was like, "Are you sure?" I'm sure I remember you saying you were South African. No, <laughs> I'm not South African. I've just got a posh accent. Yes, <laughs> she's from not too far away from me. <laughs> I, I was very drunk. That's all I can say. Well, um, what's funny, like like here, like obviously in Liverpool, um, you know, her accent is out of place. Like, mm-hmm. so she she'll be in gyms, and like she might she might you know move up up to somebody and she wants to use a piece of equipment and she'll ask, hey, do you mind if I use this or do you mind if I put my mat down here? And, like, one time she did this and, like, the guys were like, did you hear her speaking? It's like, <laughs> it's like bizarre. It's, and it's still in England, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, she, uh, I don't know if George remember this, but um, I was also very gentlemanly, uh, very chivalrous, and I walked her to the cash point to get some money. You are a good man. Yeah, I did think about robbing her, but <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. No, With an joking. accent like that, you can't blame. You can't blame her. No, no. Um, I think I can't remember why. I think we were going into Loughborough in one of the bars, and obviously she nicked the money out. And she's going to go on her own. I thought that's not very nice, making someone go on her own. So um, yeah, so I was very kind and walked. So um, virtue signal, by all means. But I think props <laughs> to me. So anywho. Um, Obviously, we've got Edward, and obviously, we've got young Richard Cohen today. Um, uh, Richard, before we get on to talking about what we want to talk today, let me speak to Ed and just ask him one thing. Ed, how is your home gym? It's great. It's kitted out just to do arms, just lots and lots of arms. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Richard, have you seen Ed's home gym? I've I've seen it, and to be honest, Ed, like, you know, just for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, like, it is entirely made out of wood i'm like <laughs> like if if you put any weight onto that bar i am terrified that those little supports are going to come off that yeah. and just it's going to drop down yeah. on top of you it's going to drop on top of you and then that wooden bench that you made is going to spit in half it's made with plywood isn't it 
Uh, it looks like uh, say it looks uh, like well, MDF. Yeah, it looks like MDF. <laughs> which I'll be honest, I don't believe it's, it's probably um, the most structurally sound. No, it's 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 good. So uh, I oh, so I've bought some twenty kilo plates um, a couple of weeks ago. So I can actually I've sort of been benching around the sort of seventy eighty mark, and um, every time I re rack it, I think get from under this as quick as possible <laughs> i'll be honest um, like, no, uh, how are those little how are those little things held yeah. on like uh, did you just nail it in or screw them in or uh, what three three screws in each one and uh yeah uh, i don't terrifying. see that i don't i this is generally i'm i'm lost for words and i can't even speak right now because i think that ed you're going to die mate <laughs> like the bench is is pretty sturdy it is pretty sturdy but um yeah it's uh, it's probably stronger than the stuff you get from Argos. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Think, but it's literally I'm, made out of my old shed. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I am. I am gonna make one of the like a, a meme. I don't, can can a video be a meme? Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, whatever. I'm gonna make one of those funny videos of those da- that dancing funeral with a load of techno music. <laughs> <on it>. <laughs> <laughs> those things are the best things ever. I absolutely love. Them. <laughs> yeah the thing is like i they're just obviously they're now morphing that into like loads of stuff where i, I can't even give any examples now but i remember seeing loads of different other memes now where it's just like those little faces are popping up everywhere as if to say someone's about to die <laughs> oh, dear, uh, brilliant. anyway yes uh i thought i'd ask because um well at least at least uh, i guess a success story is that you are on the podcast and not dead so regardless, that's something that your gym must be doing. You know, it's that's a success story in itself. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I like. I think I said it last week's podcast. Like now, I've got some plates, some heavier plates, because before I was having to like do twenty plus reps with sort of like a forty kilo bar. Um, now I've actually got some decent way that I can sort of struggle with ten reps on. Um, it's actually making training a lot more fun and a bit more worthwhile. So yeah, it's good. I like. I like his little humble brag there. <laughs> oh, I'm just benching like 70, 80 and yeah, I've now got some weight so I can, I can oh I can just about struggle on 10 reps now <laughs> I never said I was doing that on that weight <laughs> it, it, it's true though that the, the high rep stuff man absolutely wrecks my head I just I don't want to do it I get bored and I get sore and I get tired and I'm like oh I don't want to we, we were very lucky because Georgia was able to get some um, dumbbells from her gym so we've got like um If I was trying to do any kind of chest work, it would be all like push up and just infuriating. I think you, you just froze there for a second, mate. You might have to tell me how many dumbbells you got again. So, yeah, we got a couple of um, 34s and we have some 20s. We got some 14s. Do like a million reps just to, to complete a set, you know. Yeah, well, lucky enough, I've got a home gym, so uh, none of this is really a problem. Hello, Ed, can you hear me? I, I, I'm, I can hear Brett. Brett's fine. Richie's a bit pixelated Rich, at the moment. Richie, you just paused. He's put fifty p in the meter. I, I, I can hear. Move, move around a bit, mate. Can you hear me? Uh, just about. Move around a bit, or you might have to go audio only if it's if it's too bad. We just can't look at your pretty face. As George has started, as George uh, has got. Will I do that? 
But say, George, you got on you um, on Pornhub or something, or? <laughs> well, like yeah. So I'm I'm not with her now. So she's got to you know entertain herself somehow. <laughs> um, let me so let me turn off my video. I'm assuming. To be it's fair, this you, you actually seem like you're, you're right working. now. Yeah. You say you actually seem it right now, but whatever. Okay, let's go for it. Let's go with that. Right, I'll I'll cut that bit out. So tell me how many Please. dumbbells. Tell tell me how many dumbbells you've got, Richie. Not that, Maddie. We've just got a we got a couple of thirty fours. We've got um, some twenties, some fourteens. So it's just we we can do some challenging movements because yeah, like like Ed was saying, if you had to just rely on like twenty reps or thirty reps, you know, for every set you do, you'd go insane. Um, and despite what Brad Schoenfeld might say about you know you being able to get as much hypertrophy out of low weight sets and just training to failure, I don't want to train that hard. Or train that long, I should say. I think that's the problem is like you can, but it, it's this kind of conversation that we had prior to recording about this, the kind of opt, optimal versus practical almost. Like you can, but how many people like practically want or can do it? Like you, if you're training that higher rep and get to, and obviously to push yourself that hard to get to that close to failure, it's kind of in the effective rep ranges on, on that type of rep range. It's fucking mm-hmm. hard, like really hard. Yeah. Like many, not many people can actually do it. Yeah. And like it, it's yeah unpleasant. And mm. if you want to be pragmatic about training, you want to make it as easy to do as possible while still making it challenging. So yeah, lower rep, you know, like lower rep ranges within like, let's say eight to 12 or something like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll happily do one of those. It's it's got to be fun as well, isn't it? Like for me, it's a big thing of like thinking about the session and thinking what's what are my sort of goals for the session and stuff like that. And I know obviously you can't be as you do that as much at home, but if I've got to think, oh Jesus Christ, I've got to do like three or four sets at twenty twenty five reps. Oh. That's it, it's just boring. It's mind numbing. Um, so yeah, so it was kind of worth chucking hundred quid at a pair of uh, twenty plates to, to to make the training more fun. But trying to get that through to Alex was. Uh, not as easy. A <laughs> hundred quid? Christ, I don't know. I mean, it was absolute steal for two twenty plates, though. Well, uh, I I'm not sure, mate. I think I've got 150 kilos worth of bumper plates, which I think probably only cost me 400, 450? From new? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at this time, at the moment, well, I'm trying to get anything. Yeah, yeah. If it's not sold out, it's true, double the price. True, it costs you 150 quid for a set of really shit bands right now. But Well, yeah, so, yeah. Hmm, okay. The market dictates the price. Absolutely. That is correct. That is the um the uh economics of supply and demand. Um well obviously I'm glad you're still alive, Edward. That's like I said, that is a success story, so that's a that's a good thing. Um I think. No, I'm joking. Of course <laughs> it's a good thing. Uh Richie, so um so, so hey, we're gonna we're obviously uh we we've, we've talked before this call to, to, to kind of go into what we're going to talk about today to kind of mm-hmm. position it for the listeners this is uh, this is an episode that we wanted to do just to follow off uh, a, a few episodes of late that we've done one if if people have uh, listened that far back uh, an episode that i did with young edward here where we talked I think about it was Mark. with johnny it wasn't with me was it i thought i'm sure it was you yeah no bloody hell okay you talking about yourself for an hour i definitely ditched out of that one <laughs> well yeah um, okay, it was with Bog Roll Johnny then. So um, <laughs> we, we we obviously talked about the thought experiment that I did around uh, the back end of last year, a weight gaining thought experiment, which was I kind of dubbed loosely some form of intuitive 
approach not really intuitive eating but an intuitive approach of uh gaining weight which is essentially a bit of a shit excuse really to just go it all in and and do it like a almost like your dreamer bulk um which resulted in like a, a 20 pound weight gain over a couple of months which was fantastic um so we talked about that and one of the things we did get to at the end of the episode was to talk about a potential other thought experiment that we we might look at or i might look at in future was kind of the other way because it'd be interesting to see what way how much success i could gain with kind of like similar practices around uh, a diet rather than bulking so and this is obviously tied in quite nicely because the conversation that i had with uh, with young richard here in terms of he said that he wanted to go for a little bit of a cut didn't you my man that's right yeah i'm uh, i'm getting a little bit fluffy so i wanted i just wanted to get um just to lean up a little bit as well getting into the summer you know we're all uh we're all getting ready for uh hitting the beaches or should i say hitting our backyards when the sun shines outside mm-hmm. considering uh, we're, we're not able to get out but um i just thought that i wanted to focus on a goal and i hadn't focused on a physique goal in a long time so like obviously you know with with work at the moment um i've just been focused on that and i've been obviously training um and minding my n- nutrition as well but i had no goal and i had no direction with it so I just said, okay, may as well try a bit of a cut right now, but I wanted to do it in a way, I just wanted to do it differently from the way I'd done it before, because obviously like, I, I've i lost weight in the past with tracking macros, mm-hmm. and it's been super successful and you know really, really easy to maintain, but I wanted to just do it without that and without thinking about tracking, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's what I'm, that's what the, the plan yeah. is at the moment. Because that, that, that kind of, follows off the back of an episode of last last week week for last that we did where we talked about the the kind of the qualitative type of dieting or habits or or strategy compared to like the more quantitative of something like a you know, you know an actual track of something that you can quantify um and we did talk about the benefits of tracking like you say it is for, for a lot of people they find it super easy um you know they they, they kind of they don't have to listen to feedback of their you know kind of like their their internal feedback of their body and stuff because they're effectively just listening to feedback from an app you know they're just looking at a, a an algorithm that is kind of working out a, a calorie intake and then they're just eating to numbers um, and overriding any kind of internal feedback and that is really successful for a lot of people because it, it kind of also gives them this accountability of knowing exactly what they should do in 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 terms of how many calories they should be eating the macronutrient contents or profiles of foods they're getting this instant feedback and we kind of went through a lot of those types of positives last week but we we also talked about how for the most part it's not a sustainable way of eating um albeit some might argue it is you know i mean it's some might argue say well why couldn't i do that for the rest of my life like it which it maybe someone could but i do think like i've certainly asked clients this this exact specific question and the answer i've got has always been the same i've asked them like do you see yourself tracking food for the rest of your life and the answer is always, mm, well, no, not not forever. So I guess like the the conversation we then talked around last week was around the, the more qualitative type of dieting, how that might look. And because obviously that's something that you said you now want to do, I just thought it'd be super interesting to hear your thoughts on it and how um, I suppose you're going to position yourself now to kind of go through this process. Yeah, um, like I, I, I don't think that that tracking is something that people want to do for the rest of their life if we're realistic realistic you know whether 
people can, can do it or not, I think you, you certainly can. Um, does that verge on disordered eating? Um, potentially. Um, but then again, anybody in this field has probably suffered from some form of disordered eating uh, at some point. Um, but the, the way I'm looking at it now is the, the tracking that I've done in the past is, has educated me about what I can do now. And I think that, like, the, you know, the, this whole experiment is not kind of like a big, you know, stick the finger up to, to tracking at all. Um, because I think tracking is really, really valuable for a lot of people and it's a really, really good educational experience. And that education about the foods that I eat and the macros that they contain and how I can kind of have a balanced diet that suits my needs, I've learned all of that through tracking. And, you know, I, I, I've even, you know, with all of my clients, I will usually go through a tracking phase with them um, where they can learn about calories and macros, whether they, whether they want to continue on with that or not. It's their choice. I know I have I have some clients who I I've done tracking approaches with them, and I said, okay, we're easing off this. We'll go off it for a couple of months. And they'll come back to me. You know what? I just want to go on and track for a while. It's a little bit easier for me to to kind of stick to my goals. And I'm like, fair enough. If you want to do it, do it. Um, I just want to be able to kind of like I I can guess more or less calories from a meal. You know, not completely accurately. Like it's 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 the same for anybody. Eyeballing a meal, you can. Um, you know, you can you can try and do it as well as you as you want. You're not going to be 100 percent accurate, but I've got a, a ballpark figure of what I'm eating in a day, and on top of that, I'm just using a simple metric of um, the scales and you know my appearance in the mirror, and I'm just using that to uh, to eat. And I'm not going to say intuitively because I genuinely don't know enough about intuitive eating to comment on it, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't. I was just gonna say on on that. I I mean, we've we've fallen into this trap a lot of times when we kind of use that term, but we've we've kind of almost then um, qualified ourselves by saying like when we say intuitive eating, we don't mean in terms of like the clinical term for obviously treatment of of sort of eating or eating disorders. We basically mean what a lot of people think intuitive eating is in terms of just kind of a bit a bit more mindful. Is that what you mean? Um... Yeah, as um, as uh, Amelia Thompson might call it, um, eating intuitively as opposed to intuitive eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So eating a little bit more intuitively, and and what does that mean in reality? Nothing. My diet has not changed, um, except for I'm probably a little bit more conscious of my portion sizes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you guys know yourselves. The most successful dieters they always follow kind of relatively constant meal plans you know they'll they'll stick to the same meals mm-hmm. recycle them over and over again that's what i'm doing um i think the way i've set it up at the moment and it's probably just because of the whole lockdown that's going on right now um i one thing that i'm doing to help me control my portions the, the total amount that i'm eating is um i am intermittent fasting um and that's just because it's relatively easy for me to do um i don't mind waking up in the morning and having a coffee um and then just waiting until lunch to have a, a bit to eat. Doesn't work for everybody. I know some people who just cannot survive on, on intermittent fasting. Have either of you boys given it a try? Usually same. When I, sorry, go on. You go first. Cause... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've attempted it for a period. Um, or I'll do like a protein modified fast. Uh, a bit different. But um, when I was dieting for, when I did a show a few years ago, I pretty much used that just to try and save calories. Just have a bit of protein in the morning and that was it. Um, but yeah, I, I'll go through phases of it um, for dieting and just for general life as well. So yeah, yeah. 
Same. I I I would say most of my dieting history has included some form of fasting, which is usually breakfast, as in skipping breakfast. Like I usually break the fast a little later in the day, lunchtime onwards. Um, or it might be like I just said, like a protein sparing modified fast, where I've just had a shake or something, or mm. maybe even not quite even extreme as that. I might just have a lower calorie breakfast that is mostly protein. So it might just be like Greek yogurt, or you know, like there's little fruity quark yogurts you get in, mm-hmm. you know, like the like the Arla style ones where you sometimes get like Aldi and Lidl do those little cheap ones, don't they? Well, I say cheap, not mm-hmm. even that cheap, like seventy eighty p go. <laughs> but um, you know, what I mean, those sort of things. I might have a couple of those or one of those and a protein bar, which even then it's still like 350 calories so some people might say that well that's not really fasting because it's not clearly but it's more like <sighs> just moving your calories yeah it's just on a spectrum exactly yeah it's on a spectrum more than anything like where instead i might have a six seven hundred calorie breakfast i'm now having a 300 calorie breakfast so i'm basically fasting 400 of my calories rather than you know not the whole lot so i know that seems a bit you know obviously like from a from a definitive perspective is you know it's not it's breaking that definition but it's the same principle isn't it yeah, but and like it, it's not that there's anything special about the fasting. It's just a way for me to kind of reduce calories in the morning, and then I can have slightly larger meals, slightly more enjoyable meals later on in the day, mm-hmm. and you know maybe throw in a few foods that I want to eat later on. Because like sometimes I will be hungry in the morning, but you know I'm never the kind of person that wakes up and say, oh, you know what, I could, I could do it a really good big cooked breakfast right now, or you know a stack of pancakes. Um, I will absolutely eat them if somebody offers them to me. But you know, one. Yeah. You, I'm, not, I suppose, I'm too like that um, so yeah, it's just easy for me to, to do the intermittent fasting yeah I guess like if someone offered you those breakfasts you're eating them for enjoyment not because you're you know you need breakfast oh yeah, yeah. and like don't get me wrong I, I like I love uh, getting a, a breakfast out like having breakfast in like a buffet breakfast one of my favourite things in the world especially if they've got like a, a dedicated pancake and omelette chef so mm-hmm. We uh, talking of fasting. It's something I've been getting Alex to do because uh, she's a teacher, so she's working from home every day. <clears throat> um, and we just sort of said, you know, just you're getting up at like nine o'clock, or whatever, half nine. So skip breakfast, go through to lunch, and it's just a way it means you're not as active. Like she's a PE teacher, so she's normally very active. Um, and because um, over the last few weeks we're having the puppy. Uh, before the dog was allowed out um, sort of movement was was limited so we just said right remove breakfast it's three or four hundred calories uh, take that out your day and that's kind of almost um, accommodating for the for the reduced movement um, but now the dog's walking and we're going out for walks several times a day and stuff um, and getting the, the dog it's exercise and that and then she's going off and because the dog can be left she's going off and doing a bit of her own exercise and stuff so um kind of that's it's not really a, not really doing it as much anymore but um when we were sort of a bit more housebound uh, it was a, a great little tool to use to just just maintaining not even dieting just kind of maintaining in a way of kind of adapting to the current situation and, and not putting on weight whilst we're quarantined yeah a, a lot of people are kind of surprised at how easy it is to put on weight right now but you know when you think about it yeah, most people are just sitting at home. Like I, I know I'm spending most of my time in front of a screen at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's just our activity levels are down so much. My um, my, but, my, 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 my activity levels actually are pretty similar because obviously I've got home gyms and my actual training sessions are, are literally no different. Um, and I'm still managing to hit my like ten thousand steps every day. I don't think I've missed it once wow. since I've been in lockdown. Um, I think a lot of it is because I do. So I'll take the opportunity to like 
I have quite a lot of calls that I do. So I'll take the opportunity to like go out on an hour's walk on a call and I'll do seven, 8,000 steps easily then. And the rest I easily pick up around the house, like playing with the kids and stuff. So I don't think there's been a day where I haven't hit my, um, my, my 10,000 steps. So, which I appreciate. I am probably a bit of an, an anomaly because I'm like almost proactive in making sure I do that by, you know, like taking my, doing work while I'm walking, that type of stuff. Um, which not everyone will, will want to do or be able to mm-hmm. do, but. I, I, I wouldn't mind picking up on something you said, actually, in that you talked around some of the most successful dieters having routine, uh, I suppose, consistency. And then you used the phrase um, recycling meals. Um, uh-huh. I wouldn't mind just picking up on that because I do think it is like something that's completely undervalued by people. Yeah. And something that I'm uh... finding myself giving it giving as like. So even today I had a friend of mine message me around supporting his girlfriend who is now looking to lose some weight after having a, a child and I'm finding myself kind of almost starting my advice with that type of thing so I wouldn't mind if you do want to go into that in a bit more detail we I've referred to it as almost like what I like to call it a default diet and I know people have kind of used the term default diet in other definitions but I've used it in that manner where like you kind of almost have these recycled meals as your default diet and then you just make small changes and your default diet almost uh-huh. grows because of that so do you want to talk around your perspective on that yeah so like like years ago when I when I used to kind of blog semi-regularly on this I, I wrote a, an article called like boring diets are best um and what I mean by that is if somebody can come up with a set of meals that they that they are they're easy to, to make, that they're relatively tasty um, and that helps somebody achieve their goals. So, you know, they're generally like higher in protein, high in volume, high in vegetables. Um, if somebody can and when I say recycle, it's basically do a cycle of those meals and kind of have one of those meals like, you know, uh, every day or like, you know, if they've got five meals, they can have a different one every day or something like that. Um, it just makes dieting easier because and the, the whole reason for it is when it comes to thinking about food, we want to limit our decisions as much as possible. OK. And, you know, people will always go back to people like, you know, successful guys like um, who's the guy who was in Apple uh, Jobs, Steve Jobs. You know, they'll all say that Steve Jobs always wore the exact same suit or the exact same clothes every day in the office and the reason he did it was because he wanted to take the decision out so he could save that decision making capacity for other things during the day Um, and if we're constantly trying to decide what am I going to eat what am I going to have Um, what's going to be for lunch what's going to be for for dinner Uh, it just it adds to stress and it takes away from our kind of our, our mental capacity and our decision making capacity during the day and at some point if you're constantly relying on that capacity to um, to make decisions, it may break down and you might say, feck it, I'll just order a pizza, you know, or feck it, I'll just eat, um, you know, uh, a pack of biscuits or something mm-hmm. like that. Oh, Whereas, I was going to say that the, the more decisions you've got, the more chance you've got of making the wrong decision as well. Exactly. Uh, that, that's, that's a really good way of looking at it. So if you can if you can have a set of meals that you can always fall back on, like you, like you said, Brett, a default set of meals, um, it just makes sticking to a diet a hell of a lot easier. Like even you know for for ourselves when we cook together, we usually bulk cook um, and we'll cook like you know eight meals and it's going to be the same meal and we'll have that for lunch you know every day. And now I know that's not suitable for some people. Some people cannot handle like having the same meal every day. But for us for lunch because 
and we're not fantastic cooks at all, but the meals that we make are tasty. And, you know, they're tasty because, you know, we've been working on them for a while. Um, for lunch, that's absolutely fine for us. We might have it with something different. Like, you know, one day we'll have it with bread. Another day we might have it with rice. Another day we might have it with potatoes or something like that. And then in the evenings, we've got a set of meals that we always kind of go back to. And it's like, you know, low-calorie pizzas or like, you know, easy lentil curries or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a huge amount of variety. And not having variety makes sticking to a diet easier, you know. And, and you can go back to there's plenty of studies that show that if you – put people in um, in front of like uh, a table of food, the table of food that has more variety, people will eat more calories from that because they simply won't get tired of it. You know, there's no ta- um, taste fatigue from that meal. So people will just keep eating because they've got more choice, more variety. Whereas if you limit those choices, you limit the options people have, they're going to eat less. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another way that applies to dieting is in your home, remember like, you're in control of the food environment at home to a certain extent. Most people are. Um, so if you've got a load of snacks in the house, you've always got the option of having one of those snacks. Um, and if somebody's a picker or if somebody's like easily triggered by certain trigger foods, that's not a great way to set up a diet to be in an environment where you can eat whenever you want. I don't know if that's, if you guys have any thoughts on that. You get that a lot with, um, I mainly see it with people who've got kids. Um, they have snacks in for kids and they think, oh, well, I'll just have that because it's there. And I, I'm always, it's one of my sort of big things. If it's not in the house, you're not going to eat it. Um, unless you really, really want it, you're not going to go down to the shop and go and buy a chocolate bar or a bag of crisps or what have you. Um, but and then a lot of people use the excuse of, oh, well, you know, it's there for the kids. Um, so it's a case of, well, maybe try and get your kids to eat slightly different things um oh i can't really comment too much because i haven't got kids maybe brett could sort of i suppose he was maybe a bit young for that sort of thing i don't know but i don't know uh, summer goes through about an easter egg a day at the moment so uh, (laughs) there's certainly a lot lot of crap around but so but it it, uh, it's kind of it's quite an easy excuse for a lot of people to use isn't it oh it's there for the kids well why are you eating it then um so uh, yeah that's uh, no definitely i see that a lot um and with the kind of like they're going back to the sort of like my when i was sort of dieting well whenever i've been dieting in the past um i've pretty much always done it just gone right okay that diet works so i'll go back to having this for lunch and i think a lot of people when they especially when they're doing like a diet bulk kind of cycle um it, it sometimes takes you a few days or a week or so to to get your head around well, what did i eat last diet or you know when i've done this in the past what did i eat that works and i suppose you have to caveat that with obviously those meals have to be lower in calories than a normal meal um if you've got default meals but the three thousand calories each that's not a very good meal to go to um <laughs> yeah. but hopefully that sort of uh, speaks for itself um but yeah no i've uh, exactly the same and when you look at people who get the leanest bodybuilders people like that they eat the same foods in and out don't they it's like mince and rice chicken rice broccoli rice it's like real cliche but they know that that is that they know exactly what they're getting with a cup of rice and a chicken breast and a little bit of dressing on it or whatever um i think and, uh, i think yeah. i think it's important to say that i guess a lot of this the way we're almost presenting or positioning this doesn't sound particularly appealing to probably many people that are if they've listened to this looking to start a diet or want some support in losing weight they're probably thinking, oh, maybe i don't want to do this it sounds fucking terrible i think i want to go back to, to kind of just highlight richie's point around like the foods that you're selecting in terms of your, your you know these default or recycled meals they are still tasty you know then it's not like mm. you're just you're literally in boiled chicken broccoli and rice and just thinking right i'm gonna have that six times a six times a week yeah. 
um you know you are you are coming up with um meals that are you know for want of a better word normal meals you know they are they're they're nice Mm -hmm. meals you're just kind of making small tweaks to certain things that might then just bring them into kind of like the higher protein bracket and the lower calorie bracket and that type of stuff you know like the low calorie pizza thing is you know, if you're really into pizza, you might go, oh, it's fucking blasphemy. I can't believe you're making a pizza out of a tortilla or whatever you're using as your base or whatever. I, I, I just have to stop you there. I, I know I you don't use the tortillas. Tor- yeah, I know, I know. Um, but many people I, do. I, I turn my nose up at that crap, man. Don't, I tell you what, <laughs> if you turn your nose up and say that you don't use eat lean cheese on top of it, I am going to be furious. Well, you know I'm all about the eating. <laughs> but <laughs> and some people will say, there's no way I'm having eating cheese on my pizza. Like, because it's not the same as, a, you know, like a really oily you know, or a higher fat content, you know, mozzarella or, or cheddar or whatever, you, you know, you want to stick on your, stick on your pizza. Which is kind of like, well, there, there, is, there is part of that. But then there are usually for most foods in betweens where you can make a bit of a sacrifice on some stuff to bring it into this kind of region of what you'd consider a good default meal or a default diet um which then means you've kind of got this um compromise of you know a lower calorie higher protein higher fiber higher vegetables um like overall meal but actually still tastes good it's not like you're just eating chicken broccoli or or, you know and rice so no one's expecting you to go that far i thought it's just i think i thought we just probably needed to qualify that point because i think people listening might make it feel like you're just saying well you're telling me i've got to eat the same foods every day and the same boring bland foods well no it's not what we're saying but that's that's an essential point to get across because it it can be really really easy for people to assume that if they're going on a diet they're going to be eating boring food and like like brett you know i love my food i i absolutely adore eating Mm -hmm. and if I, i i couldn't live if there was no pleasure in in the food that i eat simple as that um, now I've, I've got the advantage that I, I love cooking and I have kind of years of cooking experience behind me and I'm able to make, um, really, really tasty meals. But like the stuff that we make is still like, you, you know, you mentioned a few points there. It's, it's high in fiber, high in vegetables. It's relatively low in fat, high in protein and generally not excessively high in calories. All of the meals that we make, we we absolutely love like i look forward to my Mm. meals like if there was a meal that i didn't look forward to it wouldn't be on the rotation so to speak you know Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's it i think that's a really really important point and just to for for anybody who's kind of afraid of cooking or or you know it's not their thing there's always the option of going for you know some of the the lower fat ready meals um uh, and there are a lot of really good ones like you know marks and spencers do some great um macro friendly meals like you know really low in calories and they've got a decent bunch of protein plenty of veg as well um and there you don't have to think either you just say okay i'm gonna have a different one of those every day at work and you know you're it's a super low calorie meal no fuss no hassle just throw in the microwave and you're good to go absolutely um there's something else i was about to bring up there as well and i've just had a mini mind block so we'll we'll move on from that then so we've talked about um i guess some of the methods what have you kind of got any other ways that you you kind of setting yourself any specific rules or any kind of like as in like oh i'm gonna have 40 grams of protein with every meal that little roughly you know because you're not tracking but are you kind of setting yourself any rules like that or 
Um, I suppose from a, like like if we, let, let's talk about strategies. So like if we think about and we get onto rules. So strategies, what I'm doing is I'm reducing meal frequency. Okay, with the with the bit of fasting. Okay, yeah. so that so less opportunities to eat. Um, I'm reducing meal variety, um, but obviously not in a way that's kind of you know I, I feel deprived. Yeah. Um, another thing is I'm basing my meals around whole foods, um, and. You know, I've had a chat with you about this before, Brett, like, you know, and we, we, we've also spoken about like ultra processed foods. Mm-hmm. And if your diet has a lot of ultra processed foods and like, let's just give an example, donuts and pop tarts. Like if your meal, is, if your diet is based around that, you're going to overeat because you're not going to feel satisfied. They're super tasty. Um, and yeah, they're just they're designed to be overeaten. You know, our bodies are not. We, you know, we haven't evolved to be exposed to such tasty food that doesn't provide any satiety or feedback. So when I say whole foods, I'm talking about things like plenty of vegetables, whole grains, legumes, um, like lean meats, egg, fish, um, all of that good stuff, lots and lots of volume. And that keeps me full as well. And it keeps me full. Um, and it's not as tasty as ultra processed foods, but it's still tasty. So I'm less likely to overeat it, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, that, the that, one exception to that being the uh, the dates that you pointed out today. Yeah, um, yes. He, he, you know, I, I could very, very easily overeat on those guys, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm good at them. I'm, that, I'm that, able to. That, that would be like three, though, wouldn't it? So, as in over, overeat, overeating overeat. on dates, three, yeah. Mate, they're so, they're obviously, for, for I guess, I mean, there's, there's reason about fiber in dates, though, isn't there? All right. Is there reason about fiber dates? There is, but not not enough to stop you eating. A, no, well, pack. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, if you ate a pack of dates, I mean, I don't. I'll be honest. I, d- I dare not even think about how many calories in a pack of dates, but a lot. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was at university, we um, when we first started getting into nutrition and stuff, um, and we were like, right, okay, sweet potatoes and broccoli and chicken. That's what our meals are going to be. Brilliant. But then we'd sit and we'd eat from like Morrison's the big packs of raisins and we'd just like, not in a whole night, we wouldn't eat a whole bag of each in a night, but over the course of maybe two or three evenings whilst watching movies, we used to devour yeah. all these raisins and just I dread to think the amount of calories that were in these, I, like the big, big bumper bags. I, I, went uh, through, yeah. I went for a stage before I knew anything about nutrition, but I went for a stage other than reading the odd men's health magazine. Um, so you can see that, was, that obviously worked out well. Um, but I went for a stage of having like, I don't know, lunches from MS where I'd, I'd buy like a a shapers i don't even know what their brand is but basically a low calorie sandwich it might only be like 250 300 calorie sandwich an apple and a drink and then i'd have like a bag of fruit and nut that came with it or like in a meal deal yeah. type thing and that was 100 grams of fruit and nut and i'm like and obviously i just thought they're healthy you know they're mm-hmm. they're fat burning because everyone says nuts are fat burning and all this sort of stuff thinking like i didn't realize that i was consuming like 500 calories worth of fruit and nut in a bag along with my sandwich and thingy thinking i was having a healthy low calorie or not low calorie I didn't calories didn't really consider it wasn't a thing at the time that i, that I was already considered but i thought i was having yeah. a healthy lunch that would help me lose weight yeah and little did you know you're probably eating more than whatever you're eating before yeah, calorie so, wise so i might as well just yeah. had the uh, footlong subway that I would have probably had previously yeah <laughs> it's crazy isn't it it is but it, it, it can be so easy to to overeat on like you know inverted like in you know inverted commas uh healthy food you know that that health halo is real like you know mm. somebody says oh you know um dried fruit is good for you nuts are good for you 
and he's just like, okay, I'll, I'll eat seven bags, please. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, more the better. <laughs> yeah, just just a curiosity, Ed. Like, whenever you had the like ate all of that, uh, all of those raisins, did you ever get an upset stomach? I was drinking that much at the time. I didn't know what was an alcohol belly, and <laughs> and that's the other thing, you know. Yeah, we'll eat these sweet potatoes and this broccoli and chicken in the evening because we're going to lose weight. Then right, let's go out and smash ten pints every night. <laughs> yeah, and then wonder what's going wrong. <laughs> alcohol doesn't count. It will exactly. Liquids don't yeah. count. Liquids don't count. Yeah, because um, I I remember in uni, I used to I actually used to work in a health food shop, and I used to get dried fruit really cheap. And I remember I ate a bag of uh, apricots before, like, and probably five hundred grams of apricots, five hundred grams of apricots, um, and it destroyed my my digestive system. Like, just think of it like this: they're concentrated sources of FODMAPs. So you're basically inducing IBS, you know, for <laughs> whatever, 12 hours or whatever. Oh, he got home quickly on his bike. So <laughs> jet, jet powered. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I've, I've got an unpopular opinion. Pop-Tarts, not all that. They're not anything. They're bits of cardboard with, like, dried sugar on. Maybe it's not that unpopular then. I thought it was going to be an unpopular plan. opinion. Right. I remember when they got released in Ireland when I was a kid, and I was like, "Oh, we got to get those!" Because like I, I fell in love with everything that was on an ad uh, on television like, back in any, Ireland. Anything and, American, yeah. Oh, anything American, yeah. and that was different. Like, so I got, I said to Mom, "Get us a pack of Pop Tarts." She got us the Pop Tarts, put them into the toaster. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be amazing!" I was like, "Oh, these are shite." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the so, outs, especially the outside bits. You're like the outside pastry. Like, this is rubbish. At least the middle's got some flavour in it. <laughs> Hershey's chocolate as well. I, yeah, I, gross. I say that in America. And like, what? Have you ever heard of Cadbury's? Horses <laughs> no. is terrible. So it tastes, bad. It's like it tastes like sick. It tastes like sick. If you eat a piece, like this, tastes like vomit. That's like if I, it's like I've just regurgitated vomit back into my mouth. Actually, you know, if you get like say like Morrison's own cooking chocolate, and it's just like there's no like oily and just grim. You shouldn't really um, be eating cooking chocolate. Yeah, the bar. <laughs> well, that's what it tastes like. <laughs> yeah, but why are you eating it out off of the bar because, and not in food? Because, because when you when you're a kid and you're baking, you eat more of the mixture raw or like unmixed oh. than you do when it's fully cooked. It might be the uh, raw kid. eggs and everything else that you're eating as a kid, rather than the chocolate. <laughs> but hey ho, uh, uh, Richie. So strategy wise, is that so? With obviously fasting, lower variety foods, high protein, fiber. Uh, as things we've mentioned, rather than specifically as a strategy, but you kind of mentioned how. The, the benefits of doing that have you got anything else to add on that yeah um so i suppose when it comes to the rule things there are no real rules that i'm following and I, and I think that's the important part of it um obviously like i've got habits that i built up around food over the years and like that's everything that i said you know meal frequency mm-hmm. um unprocessed foods and whatever um but i'm allowing myself to eat when i want to eat you know so for example i in the fridge now, I've got some ice cream. So if I decide I want to have some ice cream, I'm going to have the ice cream. Um, I'm obviously like, you know, I'm getting some lower calorie ice creams. And when I say that, I, I don't necessarily mean that I'm getting things like Halo Tops. Um, I might be getting, you know, this, the, the cheaper, those tubs of ice cream, they're like the one liter tubs. What, they're like, like some so, sort of light variant or? No, not even the light variant. Like just a regular ice cream. That's not a premium like Haagen-Dazs oh, or like Ben & Jerry's yeah, or yeah, something okay. like that. Because yeah. those are really really concentrated whereas for the same volume you know you can get half the calories like from a cheaper brand of ice cream yeah. um so if i want some of that i'll have it 
And then on the weekends, if I want to relax and like get a, a takeaway, I'll do that as well because I'm like I know I'm not going to destroy all of my results by enjoying a takeaway over the weekend. Yeah. How, how no? would you? I was gonna say, would you be like mindful on what kind of takeaway you were getting, or would you be like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna cheat and have like, you know, the world's biggest Dominoes along with all the sides and four fat Coke. Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't touch full fat Coke. Uh, funny, funny story. What, what year is it? 2020. Uh, I haven't <laughs> had Coke in, I haven't had Coke in 20 years. Wow. What? Any Coke or full fat Coke? I haven't had any form of Coca Cola in 20 years. Bloody hell! So, like, I, 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 I used to be. I haven't had it in twenty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, I used to be a chunky monkey, and I used to drink a lot of coke when I was a kid, um, and like so much so that my parents used to try and hide it on me. Then they used to pour diet coke into the regular coke bottles, and I knew straight away. I was like, "What is this shit? I'm not drinking <laughs> that." Um, and then, just when I finally kind of started to make changes to my diet and stuff, I gave up coke. And I have not touched it since. Let's just uh, grab that as a little soundbite. I gave Rich Kieran. I gave up Coke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I I think there's with that nowadays Diet Coke is considerably better. I say Diet Coke. The not so much Diet Coke uh, as in, but yeah, other variants of non um, or, or calorie free drinks are way better than they used to be, and I think far more comparable to what people might consider, a, you know, like the sugar laden drinks might be. So, um, yeah, because I, I challenge people when they say, Oh, I can't drink diet stuff, no way. I think, well, when the only option you used to have was Diet Coke, which is like specifically formulated to be less sweet, you know, that's the, its point. That's why Diet Coke still exists when Coke Zero and other those things are still about. Because if not, they've just bit, why would they have so many different diet variants? That's because it's, it's targeted for people that want something less sweet. So I can understand why people see the difference. But nowadays, when you've got a Zero or Pepsi Max or that sort of stuff, they aren't that different, or like at all. So, it was like that woman in the group today. I saw... Don't call her out, Edward. No, I'm not. I'm not just just saying. Oh, I don't like anything with sweeteners in. It's like you can guarantee you've eaten loads of stuff with sweeteners in, and you have not Probably got it. No. Yeah. Uh, Especially now with the sugar tax in the UK. Yeah. Well, she she yeah, didn't yeah. want to give up her two, lit- two liters of Coke a day. Oh. Like, and then wonders. Yeah. 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 So, well, it's 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 an easy win right there, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's kind of what I said to her. I said like, if one of the suggestions I would say straight away is if you could just give up your two liters of diet Coke a day with an of a non caloric beverage alternative, what you would stomach if it's not a diet Coke, then something else. That's an easy strategy straight away, which will give you a lot of progress and a lot of room to go into without having to make any other changes to your diet, which, to be fair, didn't sound particularly great. And she was quite open about how poor her diet was, wasn't she, in terms of she said, I eat loads of bags of Watsits and other stuff. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll get off topic a bit, I suppose. But What's, uh, what's your favorite calorie-free drinks or low-calorie drinks? Oh, great question. Great, great tangent <laughs> question, but I'm going to take it because I love it. Um, Pe- def- Pepsi Max. Pepsi Max, yeah. Yeah, 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 probably. I think if I if I had to pick one right now without thinking further afield, but Pepsi Max. So Pepsi Max is better than like the diet versions oh, of Coke. Way oh, better. Yeah, yeah. Way better. Yeah, um yeah. and uh specifically Raspberry Pepsi Max. Used to be cherry, cherry was bay, but now Raspberry's better. Okay. I like the Pepsi Max as well. Sometimes it makes me a little bit tingly on the tongue, but uh, I do like the ginger one. Uh, yeah, I like the ginger one, but it's not up there with Raspberry. Like I do like ginger, and I, I still drink all oh, this is lovely, but it's not raspberry. Um, cin- like cinnamon, Coke. cinnamon Coke Zero though is still still really good, but vanilla Coke Zero. God, we're just we're yeah. just bringing out all the variants now, aren't we? Um, I am so out of the loop because I'm like 
What? Yeah. I mean, Cinnamon Coke Cola. <laughs> Cinnamon Coke Zero is amazing. Um, you want to especially go to festive. Pizza, you can do everything there. No, five guys. Machines. Five guys. It's the same thing. Same machine. Same machine. Um, little faux pas that I had is I ordered a load of protein bars off of uh, approved food and some other groceries, and I ordered five bottles of Cinnamon Coke. When I got them, they were full fat cinnamon cake. I was like, no, I've now got to drink fucking 10 litres of... Because I'm not throwing it out. So, yeah, I had to drink five litres of full fat cinnamon cake. I didn't even know they did full fat cinnamon cake. Never seen is it. A, is approved food still running? Yes. Okay, right. Brett yeah. keeps it going. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. From it. probably. Oh, no. uh, also, I love, I love the fact that people still say full fat cook. Um, yeah, I know. I know. You know, it just... <laughs> on on an evidence based well say evidence based an evidence based nutrition podcast we're still using the term full fat coke oh, I guess it tickles me um somebody actually said the same thing about um do you do they sell low salt in the uk they yes, must they do yeah. yes so, so somebody uh this is when i was a kid somebody saw it in the house that you can get low fat salt <laughs> <laughs> i'm still surprised someone said you get low salt salt i'm like um no <laughs> But, uh, just, just, just to continue on the tangent of um, drinks, Asda do their own brand. Um, they call it Tropical Crush. It's basically fake lilt, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's their sugar-free version of it. It is amazing. So hold on, you won't drink Coke, but you'll drink other uh, fruity variants of fizzy pop. No, like I, I gave up Coca-Cola because I I was I was genuinely as a child addicted to yeah, Coca-Cola. Yeah. Um, and I didn't start drinking other like fizzy drinks until I came to the UK. Um, and now I, I enjoy them, especially when I'm dieting. If I've just got like a, um, kind of a, like a, a craving for something sweet, I'll have mm-hmm. a sugar-free drink of some part, some form, and it'll just, uh, yeah, it'll kind of quell that urge. Good tangent. Yeah, I, I do the same. Large, big, like the big crates of fizzy drinks when I'm dieting, and yeah, a couple of those in the evening. Fills you up as well, I, like just from the gassiness. I always uh, have bottles and bottles of this Tesco's Zero Cherry Cola. It's like 50p a bottle, like rather than two quid that you'd pay for, you know, the, a branded version. Um, and we go, we go for easily three or four bottles a week between me and Jen. I reckon of these stuff. Yeah, I try. I try not to go through that many, just because I, I don't want to become that dependent on sweet. <laughs> what, what are you saying? What are you saying, Richard? <laughs> I'm saying you have a problem, Brett. <laughs> but the, the thing is, though, there is an issue with that. That's obviously not the only sweetened or or, or um, non-caloric sweetened beverages that I drink. In terms of like, there are monsters and other energy drinks. I drink on top of those. Um, so yeah, I probably so I have thought sometimes maybe my my intake of um, artificial sweeteners might be a bit higher than I would probably recommend, but I think the 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 jury's still out, so I'm kind of banking on that they are <laughs> they are they are at least health neutral. <laughs> yeah, I, I I still try to to get um, plenty of water in just so I don't I don't lose a taste for water because I know so many people who say that they just don't like drinking water, and I'm like. Oh, I never want to get to that point. Yeah, I don't have that problem. I can easily drink water. In fact, I still do sometimes. In fact, there there are many times where I just I do like the crispness of a like a nice cold glass of water. Yeah, I I won't drink it out the tap. I I love bottled water, but I won't drink just straight water out the tap. Raw water out the tap. I will <laughs> raw water. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't drink raw, raw water. Uh, you get ill. No, that, that's gonna yeah. That's that's a whole <laughs> that different thing. Yeah, um, but yeah, I always add 
like sugar free or no added sugar squash to to water at home but if it's bottled like absolutely love it um uh, while um, we're on this topic then so uh this the kind of the intuitive approach there's a couple of things i want to talk about but um i'm going to go back to one in a minute the second thing is how are you kind of treating liquids and well how are you treating liquids i suppose um with so uh, i suppose, I suppose you, you, you chlorine tablets I don't know <laughs> how you treat that's how you treat water um no i mean so you've obviously said around this intuitive approach of you know this eating no yeah intuitive eating intuitively and that you are going to allow yourself to consume foods if you want to for want of a better phrase um how is that does that same rule applies if you've kind of got like liquids that contain calories so if you want lattes or if you want um smoothies or anything like that because obviously the liquids themselves don't lend themselves particularly well to um satiety and hunger generally so uh, uh, is that something where you kind of got because when i when i asked you about kind of are you implementing any rules i suppose maybe that was the wrong way to position it and i was kind of more thinking around are you are there any kind of particular strategies or guidelines which you've then t- you've talked about a lot already in terms of like yeah. are you generally higher protein and higher fiber and some of the strategies that you might or, or guidelines you might just use one mainly because obviously you're educated in nutrition but um i guess just well yeah one because you use you, you, you're educated in nutrition would are, are you going to kind of use a lot of those rules again does it apply to things like liquids and stuff yes well so with, with liquids I, I i kind of look at those almost differently in that i don't drink any calories um and i haven't in a long time like i drink my coffee black and i'm happy drinking a black i drink my tea black um and i i'm happy but like that's a habit that i've built over years of knowing more about nutrition and like people don't realize how easy it is to take in well some people don't realize how easy it is to take in calories from liquids like you know if you get like uh, your your double mocha caramel frappuccino or whatever which has like you know 500 calories in it you'll down that in 10 minutes and you know you'll still want a slice of cake afterwards um so i just i kind of again it's elim- eliminating certain decisions from your life and i just i don't drink my calories i don't uh have coffee drinks i don't put yeah. sugar in my tea or anything like that um and to be honest i i drink i drink yeah, I drink a lot. So I drink lots of liquids to make sure I'm hydrated. But I'll drink water. Uh, I drink black coffee. I'll drink tea. Uh, and then some like kind of infusions or herbal teas. Um, and I'll drink green tea as well. Um, and as the fruit crunch. And the as the uh, tropical fruit crush. Yes. All right. um, and yeah, uh, and I'm happy with that. Like, you know, yeah. it's, I don't, so that, that does, that doesn't feel kind of restrictive to me at all. No, but, but it, so I guess that is by proxy, uh, almost a rule or guideline that you have in place only because True. it's a habit that you've created then. Yeah. Which, True. Um, which to be fair, you could say like my, cause I guess off the back of my thought experiment in, in gaining, I didn't set any specific rules as such, but I did give myself guidelines, which is probably why I said, a minute ago like i think i positioned the question probably a bit poorly but the guidelines i had set myself is that i will still have protein every meal and i will still have you know like focus on whole foods for the most part but i just allow myself to eat what i want the rest of the time when i want and i kind of that was almost my experiment of how how much junk food or how much crap or how much how many calories will i actually consume if i kind of just try and focus on those guys not maybe not even try and focus but just do those guidelines and then just let the rest of my intuitive self decide what i eat and when i eat so and i guess like it, this, that's kind of why i'm asking you in terms of 
like how are you going to treat liquids and then my set my other part of that question was around like you said around the intuitive part of i'm going to allow myself to eat your kind of foods within reason what you wanted what how are you going to then quantify that against kind of your progress so i'm assuming you're still going to stick to like your your scale weight and um progress pictures or you know kind of Mm -hmm. visuals that type of stuff what happens if progress stalls then so how does that affect your strategy in terms of intuitive eating and and that type of stuff well, so like, here, here's the thing, you always have an idea of what you're eating. And then when you know about calories, and when you know about macros, you have a bit of an idea of, you know, where the majority of your macros are coming from, or, or the calories are coming from. And you can say, okay, um, so uh, I have, I might have a, cu- a few slices of a few pieces of fruit during the day. So, okay, I might reduce those the portions of fruit that I have, or I might reduce the portions of carbohydrates that I have. Um, or I might reduce the portion size um, instead of like saying, okay, I'm just going to eliminate a food entirely. I'll just reduce the size or the amount of the food that I'm eating. But one thing that won't change at all will be the size of my protein uh, portion. That's going to stay high. It'll stay, um, you know, at whatever I'm getting like 30 grams of protein a meal minimum or something like that. Um, uh, I won't reduce my, the, the legumes that I'm eating uh, and I won't reduce the amount of vegetables that I'm eating. They will stay constant. And then, so that, that basically means I'm kind of reducing from carbohydrates probably um, if I need to reduce uh, carbs because I, w- I want to keep fats at a certain minimum healthy level um, or above. Um, and, and another thing, it this is kind of a rule, but it's becoming a habit and I'm trying to make it a habit is I'm eating nuts very, very regularly. Like as in at least once a day, I will have a, a portion of, of mixed nuts and that's just from a health perspective, something that I want to do more regularly okay uh were you were saying about reducing carbs and obviously keeping your veggies the same uh would you look at switching any of your carbs for a more sort of uh lower calorie higher volume carbohydrate at all just to try and keep that food volume up so so one one thing that i have done in the past is replaced uh, some carbohydrates again with legumes so I'll eat, like instead of eating um, a portion of rice, I might have a portion of beans with them or a portion of lentils instead. And the reason I do that is there's one, it's more satiating. Um, and two, uh, they tend to be a little bit lower in calories. And I, I, I'm fairly sure you just don't digest um, as much as people think that we do from, from legumes. Um, you know, there's a lot of resistant starch in there as well. There's a lot of protein in there. It's not just pure starch like, um, like rice or potatoes or something like that. Uh, so yeah, that's something I would do. I'd also consider switching it out for, um, and this is just because I love it, um, switching out car- uh, like a, a pure carb like rice or potatoes for something like roasted squash uh, or roasted pumpkin, just because I absolutely love it and I could I could eat that till the cows come home. Yeah, so good, isn't it? I always try and Alex isn't the biggest fan, so I try and like sneak it in, especially if I'm doing like roasted potatoes and stuff. I'll sneak a few in or roasted veg on it, um, and. Uh, she tends to notice, but sometimes she won't. Especially, especially, especially pumpkin. All oh, yeah. Are, yeah. Try this, though, lads. Um, sprinkle a little bit of smoked paprika and garlic powder on um, and roast it that way. Uh, obviously, a bit of olive oil and salt as well. It's phenomenal. Mm. It's so good. Yeah. You've just added fats to your meal, though. Yeah, but like, and ah, that's another thing. Because I want my meals to be tasty, I'm still using some added oils. I, I I have like my my opinion on oil has kind of changed constantly over the years and I'm the way it is now is like I don't think added oils 
should form a large part of people's diets at all. Um, but obviously, you know, used within reason, they add a lot of, you know, flavor and enjoyments to food and they can and should be used in that context. But yeah, you know, people shouldn't be adding like a, a, a lot of just, you know, olive oil for the sake of, oh, olive oil is healthy. I'm going to add loads of it to my diet. It's, it's a load of calories without yeah. any other nutrients in I it. Th- so I think on that, this is where, uh, I don't know if it is really physio- physio- physiology, but um, I was going to say, I think this is where kind of like the, the well, let's not use the word physiology. Um, it's almost where people can focus on things like calories too much and the kind of like the, the fundamentals of obviously I don't want to add calories to my meal by using oils that I don't necessarily need. But it's obviously like almost sh- short term thinking in that, well, actually, if that, means that you're then not satisfied because the meal wasn't as tasty or it didn't have a nice mouthfeel or even partly it might not be as satiating because obviously fats do slow digestion to, to a certain extent and obviously it might mean that you feel a bit fuller. If that then means that you're then eating more down the line either through binges or other stuff mm-hmm. because you just weren't satisfied. Um, that's kind of why I use that term short-term thinking. I think sometimes that actually having that all might have been the more optimal approach even if it's not kind of like on paper, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Um, you, you can easily sabotage yourself by kind of going, oh, this is this is the what, what's that meme that they do on, on, on Instagram all the time? It's like, you know, somebody has uh, a couple of raisins for breakfast, uh, a couple of salad leaves for lunch. Uh, and then when it gets to dinner, they have like five pizzas and a box of donuts or something yeah. like that, because, yeah. yeah, you don't want that. You don't want to do that to yourself. You want to enjoy your food and say, OK, I'm satisfied after that meal. And just on the satisfaction thing is. I think I'm before I decide if I'm going to eat something else after a meal, I give myself a good 20 minutes before I make a decision about eating something else. Or at least I try to, because usually it takes a bit of time for me to feel satiated. Mm-hmm. And like ju- just right now, before we came on to do the podcast, I had to eat in a rush because we had just gotten back from the supermarket. Um, I ate and I sat down. I didn't particularly feel you know, full or anything like that. But now we're a half an hour or whatever we are into the podcast and I'm like, I'm full. Like I, I do not want to eat anything else for the rest of the day. I, I want to take time. I want, I want to just dive on that because actually I think experience, my experience of mindfulness is kind of aligning exactly with that. And I don't necessarily think it's a time thing. Like correct me if, if, if you don't agree, but I don't think it's a time thing. I actually think it is genuinely people's, and I don't know, I don't, I don't really know, kind of know the, the, the actual um, mechanisms of, of this, but I actually think it's a case of where it's almost like your brain is disconnected from your stomach to a certain extent in that if you're mindless while you're eating, you don't notice the hunger signals and the fullness signals. Whereas I think like, it's not necessarily like, oh, it, it takes, you know, the age of, oh, it takes your brain 20 minutes to, to kind of reach the signals from your stomach. I mean, that might be the case. I don't know, but I don't necessarily think it's time to, I think it's more the fact that people just, if they're more mindful, that they can all of a sudden understand and recognize those hunger signals, which they wouldn't have done otherwise. Like your example there around quickly, quickly nailing it down and then kind of, Oh, all of a sudden you think, Oh, I feel fuller. I've noticed that just even sitting there and almost asking myself, actually, how do I feel? Mm-hmm. Like I can eat a meal and think if I, if I don't think about it, I could easily go and eat something else. But if I sit there and I almost um, out loud to have to say to myself, are you hungry? Do, like, and then have to almost like think about my stomach and I can think, Oh, is my stomach oh no, actually that does feel like some food now and i feel all of a sudden no actually i don't need to eat because i feel like actually i'm quite full now um 
as I say, I think it is generally this kind of mindful eating approach rather than 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 time and stuff like that. If that makes sense. See, and this comes back to the um, the importance of decision capacity and 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 like how difficult it is to make decisions because so for example if you go out for a meal right um it might be very very easy if everybody is you know at the table is everybody's ordering a starter a main and a dessert right and you're like okay i'm going to order a starter main and dessert as well do you actually want that or would you be satisfied with a main especially like if it's lunchtime do you just want a main um and do you need an actual dessert or if you go to a coffee shop and like you're used to going in and getting a coffee and getting a slice of cake do you actually want to get the slice of cake or is it just habit that you've built up over years and a lot of weight gain is down to poor habits and an apps and like you know there's no doubt about an absolutely terrible food environment that we're put in where we're kind of encouraged to eat and eat and eat and we're constantly exposed to beautiful images of food that encourage us to do that um, so yeah, like taking some time to think and thinking is not easy because it uses up brain resources and brain is a, a resource heavy organ. Taking that time to think is good, but most people don't want to do it because it's easier to just fall into the habit of, I'm going to have my, my three courses of my meal. I'm going to definitely have my dessert, you know, so on and so forth. And they just eat and eat and eat. I think, I think though we, we, most people are in that habit already. Like it's, that, that that is their habit their habit is to not think about what they're eating or what or think about why they're eating and we brought up last week didn't we ed you were on last week it wasn't johnny <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um we brought johnny's up this... not, not been on for months no, johnny's no, dead <laughs> still, that's what i said he's still making bug roll um <laughs> we 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 kind of brought up this the uh the example laura tilt uh brought up around this kind of magical unicorn moment of when you're eating a meal where you suddenly feel satisfied 80 percent of the way through say um, which most people don't experience because they never take the time to think because they don't have that habit. Their habits are actually sitting in front of a TV, mindlessly eating, not thinking about hunger at all, or not because it is probably actually that simple. Think about your hunger. Like I don't think you need to fancy it up or make it any or any more woo woo. It's like you just need to sit there and make some conscious effort to think about: Are you hungry or not? Like, yeah, a, we said am I satisfied? Last week when I used the example of moving out. Um, and how we used to always at my parents, we used to eat uh, evening meals on the sofa in front of the TV. And no matter how much I was given, I would always finish it and then probably go back for more if there was more because I just hadn't thought about the fact that I'm full and I've just eaten the biggest bowl of food in the world. Uh, whereas now we sit at the dinner table, there's no TV in the kitchen, and we sort of chat and, and, and eat. And like quite often I'll like I hate food waste but at the same time like I'll quite often sort of go oh you know what I'm actually quite full and I've given myself too much and then I'll hopefully then reduce the portion next time um because I know nine times out of ten if I'm just sat there waiting for Alex to finish I will finish it anyway uh because I don't like to see that food going to waste if there's only a bit left but that's that's the thing is it, it most people if they if they stop eating when they're satisfied but they're waiting for another person the food just sat in front of them they'll just pick at it because the food environment because it's just there yeah yeah yeah, I when um, we did one of our last uh, the, the corporate talk we did last year, and one of the guys I was speaking to uh, in one of the consultations, he said we get a big bowl of whatever we made and we put it on the table, um, and we all just dig in. And he said, and then we sit at the table and the food stays there, and I always end up finishing it, even though I'm full and I'm just overeating that way. I was like, well, don't make so much. Remove yourself from that situation. Remove the ball from the table if you want to carry on sitting there or, you know, go and sit in another 
the room out of the way of the food so you're not looking at it and it goes back to the if you've got chocolate in the cupboards then you're going to eat it because it's there um yeah definitely so richie have you Yo. got have you got any expectations or any goals for where you want this to go now then obviously weight loss but in terms of have you set yourself like a target or anything like that i want to get down five kilos five kilos if i if i get down five kilos i will actually be quite content and i don't think it's particularly uh difficult to do um besides that i haven't really set myself any like you know i don't want to uh get down to a particular level of body fat because i just think that's a a pointless goal that's um you know i think if if i get down five kilos i know um from past experience that that how that generally looks on me um but it it might look different now because you know this, this is going to sound a little bit controversial but over the past two years i think i might have put on a little bit of muscle um and when i say a little bit of muscle i say there's a good 100 150 extra grams of pure muscle there pure beefcake um so i want to check that out <laughs> and notice it. exactly where it is it's all in one concentrated area so you'll be able to see it <laughs> I was say, 100 grams spread over an entire torso is uh, unfortunately one of those really dis- depressing and disappointing moments you realize oh I look barely different. <laughs> okay, okay. Like I've had this conversation with clients in the past, like clients who have like big muscle gain goals, and they say, "Okay, I want to gain this much lean mass in the next six months," and I'm like, "Okay, let's get you on some roids." Yeah. Like, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. That's not my type of coaching. But like I'll say to, and what I've done in the past is like I've used photographs of um, very, very famous let's say evidence-based natural bodybuilders who you guys will definitely be familiar with like po- po- let's say photographs that they have posted themselves on their own instagram saying oh this is me four years ago and this is me today and they'd be like you know this is consistency right now and people would be like oh wow you know you, you look fantastic and i'll be looking at the photograph and i'll be like oh jesus christ um that's four years of work you know and is, it's depressing. is it, and, and is it know, worth it yeah I, and like, and I'm like, look, the guy looks great. Like, I, I'll say that. And anyway, I showed the picture to one of my clients, and and he came back to me and he said, "Oh, right. Well, that's that's a little bit disappointing, isn't it?" So we were able to reassess his goals about, you know, how much he can realistically put on as a natural body, as a natural kind of, um, not even bodybuilder, but you know, person who wants to gain muscle mass. Oh, yeah, I think outside of that newbie game period, it is just depressing how slow. And how, like, if, if especially if you're a competitor, that is then taking out time to diet down for shows and stuff. And you see people kind of talk about their um, their stage weight and then kind of comparing it to, to other shows in, in future years and in stage weights. Then you're like, you just look no different. Like, to the untrained eye, you're like, you just barely, you, you got, yes, I've gained two pounds of extra muscle. You look the same. Like, it, it honestly, the difference could be that you had an extra meal that the, the you know, in the, the five years. Um, show later where you just carved up better that could be the difference like it... It, yeah so like people say oh I'm going to compete I'll compete again next year and you know that six months of, of gaining is going to make so much difference and you're just like mm. and trying to get that across to people as well um, of how little muscle gain you are going to get over the next 12 months 24 months whatever um, they just can't because all they're seeing they're just washed with like Instagram's just washed with guys on gear or yeah 
people getting newbie gains and just natural freaks and, and stuff like that. It's just, yeah, it's just depressing. But, uh, but it's the problem. And, I, and I, I said it to you, Brett, earlier, like that, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we can look at Instagram or whatever every single day and see images of people that we, from our perspective, assume are doing better or are achieving more than us, be it in, in business, be it in life in general be it with their bodybuilding goals whatever um and it's just a terrible approach to take you know i think the the, the best comparison is with your old self yeah. you know um and even, even then that can be massively depressing <laughs> <laughs> well, i've had it with clients in the past where they're like um oh you know doing a bodybuilding show say and they said look at this guy who's entering and i'm like why are you comparing yourself to somebody else who is entering the same competition like we're not doing this to be the next mr o we're doing this for because you want to do it and because you want to set yourself a challenge and and that's what we've kind of done um and it's like well yeah but he's natural and it's like no he's just not posted a video of himself on instagram injecting himself you're doing an open bodybuilding show you're probably one of the only natural guys in there Uh, (laughs) just trying to get that across to people um yeah and it can take it can take a while man because it's just we're constantly bombarded with those images Mm -hmm. and that that becomes the norm for us unfortunately yeah 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 And, and when people see like even going like all the way back to people who don't really train don't weight train and stuff like that the pictures they're seeing are the men's health cover photos where you know even if it's celebrities it's hugh jackman yeah hugh jackman's jack because he's takes stuff for films um well no but like when he's you know when he's on you you could have come up with a better example than hugh jackman (laughs) i was i was just had jacks in my head um chris hemsworth then okay you've got thor and people are looking at him going bloody hell he's a big lad um yeah he's also being paid you know a million pound a picture of course he's on gear uh, um yeah yeah, yeah. i think instagram's a, a really poor example of well it's a really good example but as in it's poor for people's mentality in in trying to this comparison thing because the things you see on instagram are either the elite best of the best with the best genetics or they are people on gear because the rest of the people aren't showing themselves it's just mm-hmm. the way it is yeah. by its by its nature yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. highlight reel for, for that's the reason of Instagram people putting their highlights on. That's... Absolutely. But anyway, um... a, a question around kind of um, I know well, I once asked it towards the start actually, but I just wanted to see whether it came out naturally. But um, so everything we've kind of talked about in terms of like setting yourself rules and stuff like that, um, you kind of keep going back to the fact that you've learned about these sorts of things from dieting in the past and stuff like that. Um, if somebody say listening now and they don't really have, you know, their nutrition education, uh, is, it goes as far as listening to this podcast. So they probably don't know anything. Um, and, um, they haven't dieted in the past that, you know, they're, they're just starting out. Uh, do you think this approach can work easily for somebody who hasn't gone through calorie tracking before so they know what calories are in foods people who don't necessarily know what a low calorie high volume food is people who haven't gone through these um kind of rules in other forms of dieting it i think it could with guidance um like see uh, and i know you guys are going to be the same but i'm very very much when i work with people i i want to educate people about what they're doing so that they know why they're doing certain things um and i think that with guidance, all of the things that I've just spoken about here, you know, you can explain 
why we're doing everything to people and people can understand it. And when people can understand things, they're a little bit more empowered and they're able to, they're able to change things uh, according to their circumstances because they know why they're doing something. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it definitely can work for people, but I think guidance is important. And I, I think one of the reasons I'm saying that is because I don't know about you guys, but for me, when it came to finding a diet that worked for me or an approach that worked for me, it took absolutely years of trial and error and messing up and trying stupid diets um, until I found, you know, this kind of approach that worked. And it just took me so long to do it. And the thought of other people having to go through the amount of trial and error and stupidity that I went through, it, I just I just think, look, God, save yourself the hassle and get some help and advice from somebody who knows what they're actually doing and can help you with this. And then it'll set you up for the rest of your life when it comes to dieting. It's it, yeah, it's like anything is that you look at it in business, get a business coach and you're going to be, you know, you're going to accelerate the process, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, and probably save yourself money in the long term, especially if you are a yo-yo dieter or you've, you've been buying supplements and buying this, that and the other, buying plans, buying books. You just spend that, you know, hundred pound, hundred fifty pound a month on coaching and, um, yeah. And you probably end up saving yourself a lot of money instead of buying all your different supplements and stuff for getting jacks and whatever. <laughs> Supplements. supplements supplements that do not work <laughs> sugar so, pills yay <laughs> so um we obviously want to follow up this episode well i say we obviously i said i want to follow up this episode after you've kind of been through it longer and hopefully obviously re- achieve the results that you want which i'm sure you will um so we'll get you on again mate and and kind of go through the actual experience and you know whether any hiccups barriers or anything that kind of changed your mindset or approach change so we'll do that was there anything else you want to add now that we haven't gone over no, do you, do you guys want me to take a, a before and after pick? Um, and do you want it to be nude? Just do you, out of curiosity. Yes. Do, do, you, do you mean you haven't? Because I thought you'd already sent me those nudes earlier. I thought that's what they were. No, no, that was just for you. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. You don't want me to use those? Uh, no, <laughs> probably not. Not, not. not with that pose, anyway. And not, not, not the one with the butternut squash. Um, yeah, no, well, they're for you anyway, aren't they? But yeah, that'd be good. It'd be interesting to see kind of... like you, you know the the experience you know go through and whether because obviously all the things you talked about is evidence-based it's logical it's got your experience as well like behind it so you kind of know they work but it'd be interesting to see especially with this whole like mentality of it being an, an eating intuitive approach rather than kind of i suppose other ways that you you would use in terms of tracking and, and the benefits that they bring it'd be interesting to see how things now change and if your mindset or your approach changes midway through because things happen mm-hmm. that you didn't foresee so that's why i think it'd be really good to follow up so yeah let's let's do that absolutely um cool i think um we are an hour nearly 20 time flies you're having so much fun absolutely it does um Richie, you've been a gent as always, one of my favourite people. Thank you for coming on. Um, Thank you for having me. Ed, cheers, mate. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> oh, cheers, Sunday, yeah. Um, do you know what? We'll end on a really depressing note. This Saturday, we were supposed to be flying out to Cos for Johnny's wedding. It's now no longer happening because of that damn coronavirus. Jeez. That damn damn Mexicans, they drink that Corona beer. That's why they got so many viruses up there. 
<laughs> wow, this is probably going to go down as the most racist. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't <laughs> racist. That was that was like that was a Texan. You... That was a Texan ac- accent, and that's actually a tr- like almost a replica uh, or a of a video. Yeah, exactly. It? Yeah, yeah. Of some Have you seen it, Richie? Some I haven't. No. Silly, wo- some silly woman basically blaming the Mexicans, saying that's why they've got a lot of. Uh, actually, I don't think she said Mexicans. I think she said Floridians. Or it might. Be. It was. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was after the Florida beaches were yeah. full. Because um, obviously Florida has a lot of um, obviously native Hispanics. Um, she said something like that. They're Mexicans. That's why you know they drink that Corona beer, which is why they got such a, a high rate of of infections down there. They've got Bud Light, and it's hotter in Jack in Jacksonville. Um, and they said it's hotter there, and the virus can't last in the heat and they drink Bud Light so it's proper beer so uh, they, uh, they they can't get it from their beer and uh, the, was it the water's a bit saltier there so oh, when they go in the sea it cleanses just... them nothing can survive any salt I, I'm, I'm hoping it was a spoof video but she was just proper I'm just going to say it she's a proper redneck uh, yeah <laughs> there's, there's to, not much hope for humanity is there lads no, so, no, no we not. in our little triple N uh, WhatsApp group, we just keep sharing things like saying, well, "I hope this person gets it." Um, just I don't. stupidity. I do. Okay, but I do. You do? I, yeah, I, I was going to say. I think that's a bit harsh, Edward. <laughs> uh, some people, you know, unless, unless it's like, yeah. Well, there is that. There is that argument actually. But um, cool. No, thank you. Um, I will sign off there. We need to say no more. We'll have an abrupt ending, shall we? Lads, absolute pleasure. Um, have a great evening. You too. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.